This is episode nine of the Paperclip podcast. I'm your host, Brett Stone, and we're presented by BSDA. We have one clear goal, help you to become bigger. So whether you're a regular listener of the show or uh, a new listener, thank you. You're appreciated. We, um, we welcome you to the show. And today we have uh, top five reasons why you need to spend more time on LinkedIn. Our very special guest is Lisa McIntosh from Cakes by Lisa. How are you? Wonderful, Brett. Thank you so much for having me. Hello, listeners. <laughs> a pleasure. And uh, we'll wrap up the show with uh, a quote of the show as well. And today's uh, actually a special podcast because we're recording it live. So um, we're, we're live streaming this on uh, Facebook um, at the time of recording. So if you were uh, lucky enough to, <laughs> to watch this being recorded, thank you for watching. We're also uh, recording it in the front window of the uh, Frankston Foundry co-working space which is the first time we've done this and it's uh I've got to I've got to be honest it's a little bit daunting but uh we've had a couple of people walk past and I waved at one and they waved back so hopefully that's a good sign for the rest of the show so we might kick things off with um the top five reasons why you need to spend more time on LinkedIn so number five is that LinkedIn is about to make business cards obsolete. So if you head to the LinkedIn app on your mobile, you'll find a little symbol with three squares and an X in the corner, um, and that's at the end of the search field. Uh, if you tap on that, you can then view your own personal code or somebody else's code as well. And essentially, this is the future of business cards. So no longer do we need to um, necessarily carry around a paper um, or, you know, if you're a bit fancy, a metal one like I had recently given to me or uh, last night I had a plastic one given to me. Um, you no longer have to carry around a, a business card necessarily. Um, and what it means is that I guess straight away you can get an understanding of the, the person that you might have just met and, and being able to be connected to. So um, I think it's a great idea. We'll see how it goes. Number four is uh, find nearby. Now, uh, if you open the uh, LinkedIn mobile app and you tap on the icon of two people at the bottom of the screen, then at the top of the screen, right in the middle, is the, the find nearby feature. And what this does is it helps you to locate people that have made themselves available for, for finding um, when you're in the same vicinity and you both have the feature open. So this is great if you're at a conference or a seminar and you wanna be able to connect with like-minded people. Um, I, I would see it as a great opportunity for, um, specifically for presenters as well, to be able to say, you know, either at the end of their talk or at the start of their talk, typically when they're trying to maybe break the ice a little bit, um, and they normally say, turn to the person next to you and say hello, or turn to the person right and say how handsome or how, how gorgeous they are today. And um, what I think will, that will really be able to help people build those relationships um, straight away. So number three is the Career Advice Hub. So while you've got that LinkedIn mobile app open, if you uh, tap on your face in the top left-hand corner, 
and immediately underneath the dashboard statistics on your, uh, on your profile, you'll find the option to participate in the Career Advice Hub. And that would be either turned on or off, depending on whether you've already opted into that. Um, so my advice is to dive right in and turn it on. And while you're there, offer to become a mentor or look for a mentor yourself, just depending on where you are in your, your sort of career cycle or your career life. And I think it's a fantastic feature and I'm not alone because Facebook like this feature so much that they've introduced their own version of that within groups. Um, so in the words of Vince Vaughan in Wedding Crashes, it's people helping people. So number two is kudos. So it doesn't matter what your role is, we all appreciate uh, being appreciated. And most of us have stories of being ignored or overlooked or not given praise, which is obviously truly a sad reality of, um, I guess, corporate life and, and working in, in that kind of environment. Um, but LinkedIn knows that this is something we can all get better at doing. So in June this year, they rolled out a feature called Kudos. And in the LinkedIn mobile app, if you tap in the section where you would normally write a post and then tap on the little award icon next to the post button, um, in here you can choose from options such as a thank you or going above and beyond, inspirational leader, team player, great job, making work fun, amazing mentor, outside the box thinker, great presentation, I'll have to start using that maybe at the end of presentations, getting people to jump onto LinkedIn. <laughs> you can give me, I'm prompting people for props now. Uh, and making an impact. So you get three kudos a week. So use them wisely, but use them <coughs> often, every week. Um, jump in and use them. And the final point, number one, is video. A recent statistic highlighted that less than 1% of LinkedIn users create great video content and the ones that do are dominating the attention of uh, LinkedIn users. So doing video well now is like being an early adopter of the next big thing and LinkedIn video is the next big thing. So on the topic of video, let's have a chat to somebody that knows how to get the most out of Facebook video. And our very special guest is Lisa Macintosh from Cakes by Lisa. How are you? Thank you, Brett. Thanks so much for having me this morning. My pleasure. So tell us what Cakes by Lisa is and where the idea came from. Um, so my life before Cakes, I was actually a food technology teacher. So I was always passionate about cooking and cake decorating in particular. Mm -hmm. um, and then I taught for 10 years in a number of local uh, secondary schools mm -hmm. and then um, decided to start my family. And from there, um, Cakes by Lisa started to grow. It had always been a hobby, always uh, baking cakes for friends and family. And then um, I started getting phone calls one day from, from strangers wanting cakes. And it was at that point that I decided if I'm gonna go down this path, I need to formalize my business. Mm. And it was that point that I decided to register my business and become a fully registered home-based kitchen. Mm -hmm. um, that basically means um, I have health inspections just like any retail shop that sells food. Okay. So I really push that with my clientele. Um, a lot of people don't understand that it's actually illegal to sell food from an unregistered business right. or an unregistered premise. So I really push with my clients 
is that I'm doing the right thing here, that I have mm-hmm. these health inspections, that I keep records, mm-hmm. um, and that everything is above board. So that's really important to me. That's great because that's. I'm glad that you explained that as well because on your, um, I know on your Facebook page, um, that you you actually make a point of saying that you're a registered kitchen as well. And personally, because I know very little about the business, I was. Um, I was very interested to, to understand what that might mean, and so it's, that's a great. And look, to me, that's that's the real selling point of my business, that yes, I work from home, but the reason I stand out above other businesses is that I am doing the right thing and that I'm registered. Um, there's, a, there's different levels of registration. Uh, so I'm the lowest level of registration, which is a class three business, mm-hmm. which basically means I'm allowed to sell low risk unrefrigerated food items. Mm-hmm. So I can't sell anything that has fresh cream or custard based filling or cream cheese icing or anything like that mm-hmm. because they're classified as a high risk food item. Okay. So if you move up the scale to level two, you can go into selling cream-based food and then obviously level one is um, your um, major restaurants and things like that. So I'm curious then on that point, given um, the, you know, the, the products that you offer, does that limit what you can offer people or do you, well, do you feel like it limits... It, no, look, there's ways and means around it. And I think, mm-hmm. um, obviously, I've put a lot of time and effort into um, knowing my business and knowing my profession and knowing my products that I make mm-hmm. and um, what I can change. Um, obviously, things like um, people might say, oh, I want a red velvet cake with uh, cream cheese icing. I can't offer cream cheese, but it's typically what is um, offered with that product. Mm -hmm. So I can do something like a buttercream icing with a flavouring through it that replicates cream cheese. Right. So there's ways and means around it. That's awesome. That's nice. I I think, like, that, uh, like, personally, I think that really defines or demonstrates, like, the creativity that you need to have that kind of business and be successful is that you can have what, you know, me on the outside would look at as maybe a limitation and then you're able to find a way around that and, and still deliver what people would want. So that's that's terrific. So earlier this year, you made some changes to how you do social media for your business. Tell us about the changes that you made and what impact those changes made for you. Look, I've been running my business through Facebook for nearly nine years. And mm-hmm. look, Facebook is this uncharted territory that you've really got to get your head around to understand how to get the most out of it for your business. Mm-hmm. And obviously, there was lots of changes earlier this year. Um, I actually attended one of your workshops to begin with and uh, <laughs> learned lots of valuable information that I needed to implement at home. And the biggest one being videos. Mm-hmm. And this was something that Look, I really hadn't gone down that track before. I'm a real, I'm a real technophobe, so it takes me a while <laughs> to get my head around that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But after attending one of your workshops and talking about videos and the amount of uh, reach that videos are being given on Facebook, I decided to start implementing some tutorials. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, originally, I've done a couple of little um, hints and tips style tutorials um, yep. for mainly for home bakers. So yep. it's not. I'm not even aiming that at people that I'm going to be selling my product to, Mm -hmm. but I know on my Facebook page I have a lot of other cake decorators that follow me Mm -hmm. and I have a lot of home bakers that follow me. So mums who want to make, you know, the cakes for their kids and they want to try Mm -hmm. a special technique. So I thought I'll share some of that knowledge with them Mm -hmm. and give them a little behind-the-scenes peek at what I uh, do in a a production day. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's... um, And I think what you've touched on there as well is something that... um, 
people hear me talk about a lot, which is um, what I call the Wizard of Oz effect and taking people kind of behind the scenes and allowing them to see things or hear things that they wouldn't typically hear. Um, and I think that's it's a great way to kind of um, humanise like your brand and your business so that people feel that you're more approachable and, and that kind of thing. And I know from... Um, spending a long time in the corporate environment, one of the most important things to people is that the person that they're trying to, I guess, in, um, engage with or take instruction from is um, uh, certainly approachable. So um, I think that's, you know, that's, that's no surprise that you've had success with it. For me, having my profession was a t as a teacher, so I taught uh, for 10 years within school, so I'm very passionate and I love sharing that information with other people. So if you're willing to listen, I'm going to chew your ear off on a subject. <laughs> um, so look, I'm, you know, I'm sort of happy to share those um, little techniques with other people and hopefully that's, that's something that can build their skills at home and uh, they can gain success from it as well. Yeah, absolutely. And what excites you most about Cakes by Lisa? Oh, look, it's every day is different. So, you know, there's always something uh, new happening. There's um, uh, the cake industry is moving um, relatively fast. There's always new techniques coming out. Um, we're sort of going through that phase of the, the rustic stage cake where everything is stripped back to a raw cake and you're actually seeing um, exposed cake layers um, where, you know, in a, a stage of marbling and gold leaf. So there's mm. all these new products that are out there that haven't been um, used before. Yeah. Gold leaf is an interesting one. <laughs> Gold leaf is an expensive one. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, so that's, that's a great point. So let's explore that a little bit because I find that really interesting. So one of the things, um, one of my favourite uh, sort of guilty pleasures on YouTube is watching um, uh, a channel where uh, a well-known rapper called 2 Chains um, tries these things that he calls the most expensivest things. Yes. And he's one of the things that he had was a dessert that had gold leaf mm -hmm. as part of that, and it, I think it was about two thousand dollars for this dessert. So, how, how much does gold leaf cost, and how do you use it? And gold leaf, it's um, the edible product that you purchase is sold as twenty three karat gold leaf. So it mm -hmm. is actually made from gold. It is um, refined down into sheets. So it is um, either attached to paper. Uh, it's either loose leaf or um, attached leaf that you can then um, attach onto a cake. It's very, very fine and difficult to work with. Mm -hmm. um, and it comes in little tiny sheets about a three inch square. So it's mm -hmm. a very small amount. And for about five sheets, the cheapest price you might pay is about $25. So, you know, on average, mm -hmm. maybe about $5 for this little sheet. Yeah. And when uh, when you come to me and you've got this lovely three-tier cake and you, every <laughs> tier is covered in gold leaf, there's obviously a lot of cost involved in that, not only in the raw product, but also in application of that product. So the labour cost to um, get that onto a cake as well. Mm, okay. And how did you learn how to create such amazing cakes and treats. As I say, it's been a passion of mine. It's something that I've always loved doing. As a child, I was always in the kitchen making things. Um, my mum actually worked for the local agricultural show, so there was a cooking section in yep. the show, and every year I'd you know, enter my wares into the cooking section, mm -hmm. and my passion grew from there. Um, throughout high school, um, my food technology teacher actually pushed me into food technology as a profession. Mm -hmm. And I suppose at the time I thought, yeah, 
uh, teaching appealed to me, mm-hmm. um, sharing that with other people. And I think if I didn't go down the track of teaching, I think I would have gone down the track of patissier. Um, Mm -hmm. It's something that um, I've always been passionate about. And it wasn't until I had children and started a family that I realised that this could actually be a career opportunity for me to pursue what I love doing. And I'm sort of at that point in my career that I've been operating for nine years as a fully registered business. And I I always say to people that while I enjoy doing it, I'll keep doing it. Mm. That day, when that day comes that I don't enjoy it anymore, probably go back to teaching (laughs) yeah I think that's actually a really important point that um you know uh, as you no doubt because you said that you'd had to listen to the other podcasts so far um from our other guests and I do think that um something that Blake in particular made very clear about was that if you're not kind of all in don't bother because having your own business or having a startup is um it's probably not for like the you know the faint of heart um there's a lot of uh time and effort and work that um that i I don't think everybody is kind of prepared for or built for necessarily it's not um for everybody um for myself obviously i work from home so it can be very isolating that Mm. i don't have a team of people around me um and that um you need to manage your time and you know, plan appropriately. I have a family, I have two children, so it's balancing that work life and home life, even though it's all happening under the one roof. Yeah. And I think sometimes, especially when you have a family um, and you're working from home, I think those boundaries of what's work time and what's family time often get blurred oh, as well. very much so. So how do you balance that? Uh, so I'm lucky both of my children are at school. Um, mm-hmm. My eldest actually started high school this year. Mm-hmm. So obviously my work day is I drop them off at school. So from nine o'clock till three o'clock is my work time, Unin- uninterrupted. Mm-hmm. And then after that time, I try and make sure I pack up, put away so that it's time with the kids. So whether it be running around activities or having mm-hmm. friends over at home or things like that. Mm-hmm. But there is always that fine line where, you know, I see a bit of a quiet moment. Everyone's watching TV and I think, oh, I'll just, you know, quickly <laughs> sneak back. I can do a little bit more work on yep. um, one of my orders to get in front. Yeah, and I think that I think sometimes as well uh, as a business owner in particular, it's very it can you can feel guilty about doing that too. Um, so the way that you say sort of sneak away <laughs> to do it is very you know it, it's everybody feels that way. I think that has a business, and I think one of the most um, important things is communication. So talking to your family and saying um, or your partner, um, you know what's going on and. Um, you know, what you might need to do and setting, having boundaries and maybe sticking to them as well, well, trying to stick to them as well. Um, do you think those things are important? Oh, absolutely. And look, as much as this is my business and I have my own schedule, I've got to fit in and work with everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, my kids have grown up with this business around them, so mm-hmm. um, they understand what mum does and that, you know, mum's working on something for a client that they can't be in the kitchen during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my pickup schedule on a Saturday morning, so it's that, you know, rush around, get the house clean, uh, everyone mm-hmm. eating breakfast, out you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, they, they accommodate and they work with it. Yeah. And um, if you had to do it all again from the beginning, knowing what you know now, would you do it any differently and why or why not? Oh, gosh, tough question, Brad. <laughs> um, look, I, I guess always looking back, there's um, those learning points along the way. And I think for me, the biggest learning point, and it took me a while to realise this, but 
you need to build a network around you you need to have an you can't do this by yourself you need a network of people around you so other businesses it's important to connect to them but more so it's really important to connect to other people within your industry Mm-hmm. Um, I've um, over the years I've actually developed a lot of friendships with other cake decorators in the local area who like myself are fully registered so we support each other I, um, you can't do everything yourself there'll be you know weekends when you're fully booked and if you can refer on to someone else that um, you recognize their work and appreciate their work and know their standard and can refer clients to them it's that support network around you mm-hmm. and it goes vice versa I've got um, girlfriends who have returned to the workforce so they're um, referring their clients to me I've had friends who have become pregnant so again you know while they're having maternity leave they're referring clients on to me so yeah. it's that support around you mm. and I do think that's um that's definitely important um, is that having people around you that um, you know firstly know what you do um, believe in what you do and then um, you know trust the the quality of the the work that you do so that they can keep referring you Um, or as you said you know if they have to step aside for a little while um, you know they can feel confident in referring their customers to you as well absolutely so when you started the business, did you have a, a co-founder or somebody that you did the business with? Or why, why not? No, at the t- as I say, it's, it stemmed from a hobby. So mm-hmm. to me, it was a hobby. And my husband says to me these days, Lisa, you need to find a new hobby. You don't have <laughs> a hobby. You have a business and that mm-hmm. consumes everything at the moment. Um, So no, I don't have a co-founder. Obviously, uh, family and friends have been a fantastic support network for me in helping Mm -hmm. to grow my business. I am at the point in my business where I need to decide what to do from here, that I have um, have had substantial growth over a number of years and I'm at the point where most weeks I am becoming fully booked. Mm -hmm. So I need to decide, do I employ? Mm-hmm. and bring on um, a second pair of hands to help me out. So maybe um, talk us through that as well, because I think um, in in our podcast so far at least, you're, you're probably the first person that's brought up the topic of I might need to employ somebody. So um, what does that look like for you at the moment? What, what are you thinking about? Like are you waiting until you get to the point where you need somebody full-time or are you thinking to try and do it incrementally where you maybe hire somebody part-time or casually first? So at this stage it's it's a little bit scary and a little bit daunting. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I'm not at the point where I can offer full-time employment to someone else because it's so sporadic. You have Mm -hmm. um, times of the year that you are very busy, Mm -hmm. so that um, period from, say, September through to March, which is peak season because Mm -hmm. weddings are all falling in there, and then generally over winter it starts to quieten off a bit because um, people aren't having big functions, so they don't Mm -hmm. require an elaborate cake. Um, So what I've been doing probably for the last 12 months or so, I've got a couple of girlfriends, as I said, I've got these industry connections. Mm -hmm. So I've been able to employ them on occasion when I've had um, excess amount of work or so Mm -hmm. much work, so many bookings that week that I need that extra pair of hands to um, Mm -hmm. help me with um, ganashing and icing and the setup of a cake. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I'm certainly at that point where maybe I need to start thinking about part-time employment. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to trusting other people um personally that's that's a you know can be a bit of a challenge um because there's a certain um uh, you know when when you're doing it you're kind of always at a 10 
and when somebody else is doing it and it's not their business I've always maintained that it's kind of unrealistic to expect that they would be at a 10 as well because it's not their business so um, you know I think generally speaking the best you could ever hope for is somebody that might be like an eight or a nine at the most and that's if they're like really dedicated and really engaged and love what they're doing and not everybody's like that when they're you're employed. Hanging out, you're hanging out with the wrong people. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know, how do you find the, the perfect person that can deliver the kind of results that you do now to kind of maintain that brand and, and part quality? Of, part of my business, as I said, I was a teacher. So I've brought teaching into my business by running classes. Mm-hmm. So the way that I've um, built friendships and connections with other people in the industry is I've had a lot of these ladies come along to my classes because they've wanted to learn... A specific technique mm-hmm. and I'm happy I'm very open and friendly and happy to have those people come into my house and share my techniques with them and uh, explain to them that this is a technique that works for me this is the way I achieve my results so it's mm-hmm. up to them if they want to implement the um, techniques that I use yeah. um, but through doing those classes I've built friendships with these people and I've seen them progress as well so I've seen where their business has moved uh, mm-hmm. through learning new techniques and implementing them and as I say I've been able to call upon them when I've needed some extra help and I know that they have those skills behind them because I've shown them a number of those skills um, so at the moment if you look at um, cakes most of our cakes have very sharp edges on them so they've finished mm-hmm. to a very sharp crisp corner whereas uh, previously cakes were very rounded edge Mm -hmm. Uh, so these days in the industry people want to achieve this sharp look to their cakes Mm -hmm. and that's something that you need to be taught you need to be shown how to do it and once you know that technique and can implement it it brings a whole new polished look to your cakes Mm. okay um, you're more trusting than I am. <laughs> oh, it is. You've got to build trust and you've got to have uh, faith in those people as well that you surround yourself with. Yeah. And look, don't get me wrong. It's it's not that I don't think that I could find somebody that... We're getting our photo taken, Brett. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's not that I don't think I could find somebody that does what I do as well, because obviously, you know, I'm, I'm not the best in the world at it. But I, I do think that... Um, you know, everybody's got their kind of their style or the mm-hmm. way that they do oh, something. Absolutely. So I think that's that's probably the thing that I think about most. Um, but uh, you know, uh, being a teacher and having that background is definitely going to help you with that. I think. And so, what's the up until now? What's the single greatest challenge that you think you've faced? And how did you overcome that? Look, for me, obviously, um, we spoke about family, and that's obviously Mm -hmm. a challenge and a juggling act. Um, For me, uh, personally, would be dealing with technology. I am Mm -hmm. a real technophobe when it comes to anything new. Mm -hmm. You ask me to prepare something on the computer, it's done in a Word document. That's about the extent of it. Um, So, look, I've put a lot of time and effort, in particular, into Facebook Mm -hmm. and learning how to make Facebook work for me and work for my business. Uh, Primarily, um, Facebook is the main platform that I use for my business. Yes, Mm -hmm. I have a website. Yes, inquiries do come through the website. Mm -hmm. But I get a lot more inquiries through Facebook. Mm-hmm. So it's been a, a learning curve and it's and it's always um, there's always new stuff out there. So yeah, you've got to keep absolutely. up to date with it. Yeah, that's for sure. And um, what's the best advice that you've been given? Best advice is you can, it is okay to say no. Mm. And I think it took me a long time to recognise that I could say no, mm-hmm. that I don't need to please everybody. 
Um, And as when you start up your business, um, you don't want to turn customers away. You want to please everyone. You're building your business. You want their you want their custom. But it is important to stay true to yourself. Mm -hmm. And quite often, um, I'll get sent through an inquiry with a photo, and it's something that is not my style of work. And I think it is important to say be honest and say, no, it's not my style of work. I'm not comfortable making that, yep. but I can offer you this instead, yep. which is more reflective of my style. Mm-hmm. I sort of Sometimes I ask myself when I get sent uh, a cake photo, I think, do I want to put my name to that? Mm-hmm. Would I want to put that on Facebook? Yeah, that's um, right. Do I want that being associated with my business? So I think it is important to learn. Sometimes you do have to say no, even there might be that risk that that client goes elsewhere. Mm. But I think you've got to be true to yourself and the direction you want to take your business in. Yeah, and I do think that there's, um, you know, having spent uh, a little bit of time with you prior to the the podcast today, um, I do think that there's, you know, there's that fun, um, there's definitely like a fun kind of vibrant part of your personality that's like very prevalent. And for me, that was one of the the cakes that I saw that you, you made. I think that was most present in was the Fortnite cake that you made. <laughs> I looked. I, I don't know how many people I've shown that cake to. Like not because they were interested in cakes or because they were thinking about getting a cake made, just because of how like amazing it looked. Oh, thank you. So it's you should definitely. Uh, I'll give you the address to Lisa's website at, at the end of this podcast, and you definitely have to go there and, and to her Facebook page as well and check out the Fortnite cake in particular. It's amazing. There is always something out there for everyone. And I quite yeah. often, when I get sent inquiries, and the Fortnite one, that was the first time I'd been given an inquiry for a Fortnite cake. And knowing how prevalent this video game is at the moment, because my mm. son is constantly wanting to play <laughs> it. So I kind of thought, well, you know, it's a great opportunity. I'd like to be able to produce something that I know is going to be a sellable item at the end of the day. It's yep. going to have mass appeal. Mm. So whether it be, um, you know, something like Peppa Pig that's always popular with younger children or mm-hmm. Spider-Man man or a superhero it's something Mm -hmm. that to me if I put that effort in and can produce something that's going to appeal to a larger variety of people that Mm -hmm. propels my business yeah and I think that's so was was the um the Fortnite cake an order that prompted it okay yes so the client came through that was what her son was having for his party Mm -hmm. um obviously a lot of clients send me photos of work that they found on the internet Mm -hmm. and look it's difficult because you want to have your own creative outlet as well absolutely Um, so you know i'm really um careful with clients and say look you know i can produce you something similar it may not look identical to that because obviously my tools Mm -hmm. and equipment and skills maybe slightly different to that person who's produced it absolutely but i can certainly produce something that will be of a similar quality or standard yeah and what's the best advice that you can share with people so like your personal advice if you if you had something to to tell people personal advice be honest Mm. and look to me there's I, I see it all the time where um, clients will contact me going, oh, my cake decorator's just pulled out. They've decided that they can't do this. Mm-hmm. And I think you've got to be honest and upfront. You get sent um, a picture of something that's got a technique on it that you've never used before. Mm-hmm. Honesty is the best policy. And uh, if I haven't done it before, I'll say straight up to a client, look, I haven't done that before, but I'd really like to do it. It's something that I'm interested in doing. Or if it's something that I I know I can't do, I'll say, well, look, you know, I can't offer this to you. I've got a friend who could do that. Or here's an alternative. And I think honesty is the best policy at the end of the day. Hmm. So what we might do is um, 
shift gears a little bit now and what I, what I really want to talk about is, and I think some of these things you've kind of touched on already, but I think it would be great to talk a little bit more about the advertising and marketing side of your business sure. specifically. So thinking back to the first time when you actively seeked out new clients, um, what did you do to drum up interest, to get people Look, interested in what you do? For me, um, obviously I run my business through Facebook, so being able to take um, photographs which are of a high quality that mm-hmm. is going to sell my product is the... Um, the biggest thing that I need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I have dabbled in Facebook uh, marketing campaigns when mm-hmm. um, the, the whole paid for promotion thing first came out. I sort of had a little bit of a dabble just to, to see how it would go and mm-hmm. uh, ran a, um, a wedding um, ad for a week. Mm-hmm. And from that ad, I know I got two clients booked in. Right. And I only did it for a week because I kind yeah. of thought, oh, I really don't want to have to pay for it if I don't, <laughs> I don't need to. <laughs> That's right. But it's in the back of my head that I probably need to go back and uh, redo that for the mm-hmm. next wedding season that's um, starting to hit us now. Yep. Um, so just to um, build a little bit more clientele in that area. Mm. Um, for me, uh, when I started out, I actually uh, did the market scene for a good 12 to 18 months. Mm-hmm. So I signed on with a local market every second month and had a, a cupcake store at that mm-hmm. market. And to me, that was um, how I got my name out there to begin with because people need to try your product to know what it's like. Yep. Uh, so I had, um, you know... Clients would come along to that market, purchase product, and then next thing they'd be ringing me going, oh, I had that cake at the market, can I order? Mm. And it, it built from there. Um, mm. I'm also very lucky, the suburb that I live in, we have a reception centre, mm-hmm. so I've built very good connections with that reception centre. Mm-hmm. Um, so they list me as their um, preferred supplier. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so, and, you know, I try and look after them and look after their clients as well. So Yeah, and I think that comes back to a point that you made earlier about those that networking side of things and, and um, you know, kind of keeping your your reach as far as possible. And so after you make the very first contact with a client or a customer, mm-hmm. how do you make them feel welcome or, or special? Oh, look, obviously, big thing to me is manners and the way that you compose an email. Majority of my um, inquiries are um, messenger-based or email-based. So I don't have a lot of uh, face-to-face contact time or or even phone calls with these clients. So I think it's important to use a name. And too often I get inquiries and you know it's just a cut and paste that they haven't taken the time to actually use your name when your name is listed in your business title. Yep. And I think it just comes down to to manners at the end of the day, being pleasant Mm -hmm. um, and trying to respond in a timely manner as well. Yeah. And uh, look, you've definitely spoken um, a lot about Facebook. So maybe maybe the answer to this might be away from Facebook, but we'll see how we go. (laughs) So how do you you find social media services like... Um, LinkedIn, Instagram, um, obviously Facebook as well, but, um, you know, all the sort of various uh, social services, how do you find that they assist with kind of the growth and awareness of your business? Look, I certainly think if you learn to utilise them uh, to the best of your ability, um, they're a fabulous tool. So, yes, Facebook works for me. I'm also on Instagram. I haven't put as much effort into my Instagram. I probably need to put a lot more effort into understanding how it works and Mm -hmm. um, utilising hashtags to the best of my ability. Mm -hmm. 
I tend to find um, being a business that, yes, I do rely on a static photo, um, there is that potential for, for growth there, for people to see it, to share it, to like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I find I have connections with a lot of other people within the cake industry, so I know on my Instagram account that the majority of people who are following me there are other cake decorators, yep. which to me that's... Um, it's flattering. You sort of think, well, mm-hmm. I'm obviously doing something right that these people want to follow me and, and like looking at my work or like to yep. reproduce it themselves. So Yeah, that's right. I think it's probably a good like tip of the hat to, yes, you well, do a good job. And this is it. I think um, you put stuff out there in a public um, platform, you put stuff on the internet, yes, people are going to um, replicate your stuff. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people get upset when you sort of think, oh, I've done this original design and oh, this person's gone and replicated it. But... You put it out there, it's going to be utilised. Yeah. Um, it's always a courtesy to recognise and um, give recognition to that business that may have produced it before you by just, mm-hmm. you know, a simple tag. Mm-hmm. And I think I know most people that I know in the inter- industry, you kind of get a bit of a, oh, hell, you know, that was really nice. This person's actually, you know, tagged me on their posts and they've done a fantastic job reproducing that. So, yeah. you know, kudos to them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um and what was some advertising or marketing that you did that wasn't as successful as you'd hoped? And what did you learn from that? Uh, I'd say um, the least successful advertising I've done was uh, when I first started my business, I thought, yeah, I'll do a letterbox drop of the local area. Mm-hmm. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, I thought it was a good idea at the time, but mm-hmm. honestly, I don't know that I got any business from it yeah um to me the best form of advertising is getting out there in the public eye um markets getting people to sample my product obviously it is something that people need to try Mm. uh to know what it's like um but yeah and yeah i think facebook fantastic you're um uh, and instagram as well i think um when it comes to marketing like letterbox drops because as you said, you know, it's really difficult to measure the ROI of whether or not, um, you know, that's successful because unless somebody specifically says to you, I've got your flyer in front of me and that's why I called you or you ask them, um, you know, why did you, um, you know, how did you get in touch with me? And they say, well, I got your flyer in the mail. There's no other way to know, you know, if they saw it or if they read it or if they um, gave it to somebody else or, you know, anything. So I think one of the most um, powerful ways that you can do uh, a letterbox drop well is when you have something that's unique attached to that. Mm. So if you have, you know, like a special discount or oh, you absolutely. have a freebie for mentioning the the flyer, that kind of thing, I think they're the, the ways that um, will inc- at least increase your chances of knowing the ROI. But um, yeah, that I think letterbox drops are very hit and miss <laughs> with like the, the guests on our show. Some of them will say, you know, we get... We've had plenty of work from it, and but I would say most people say the, a similar story to you that they gave it a shot and they walked around a lot, <laughs> and um, and then uh, that was about it. They got some good exercise from it, but not much yeah, else. That's right, exactly. Um, but look, yeah, I always try and make that point as well uh, when I have a new client come on board. Always asking where did they get my details from. Um, and I think that's important to see where your referrals are coming from, whether they are previous clients or whether it's a reception centre or whether it's a, another business that's referring on to you as well. And what's some advertising or marketing that you did that was incredibly successful? I took off like wildfire and, um, and what did you learn from that? I think um, the best 
advertising for me, as I say, is I've got to be in the public eye. Um, I've signed on and done a number of different markets over the years. Um, my most successful market would have to be one that's held um, annually at Sandhurst, which is the Australia Day market. Mm-hmm. And just to, it's my local community. They are the um, main clients that I'm focusing on, that they are the people who are sustaining my business and su- supporting me. Um, and that was incredibly successful for me, and I've done that over a number of years. Mm. And do you think that you'd ever get to a place where you don't do that? Yes, I'm at that place now. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. Um, so what? What? So tell us a little bit about like why? What? How does? How does that happen? Okay. So I've. Um, so this market is incredibly successful for me within the local community. I have a lot of. Um, repeat clients who will pre-order stuff and pick it up from me on that particular day. This year was actually the first day that I, first time I didn't do that market, um, mainly because of changes around street trader laws um, and being registered food business and that as a registered food business I need to sign up to be a mobile food vendor for the day because I'm not selling from my premise mm-hmm. and it just started to get a little bit messy with what I needed to, the requirements and the hoops that I needed to jump through in order mm-hmm. to to go and be a mobile vendor at that market. Right. And do you see that, so as soon as you said that that term mobile vendor, the first thing that I thought of was, um, and this is, you know, I've said this before, like it's a gift and a curse in that as soon as I hear one thing, I'll start thinking about it. And the moment I start thinking about it now, I've got four thoughts as well <laughs> after that. So when I started thinking about that, um, I thought, wow, maybe that's an opportunity where maybe the person that you hire part-time to help out, maybe they could be the one that goes and represents you at those kind of things. Or maybe the the next investment is a small van that you can <laughs> go out and do like food say, truck I, festivals. I you thinking or... food trucks because food trucks are so popular at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think with, um, you know, we're six months or five months probably from summer, um, you know, who, who wouldn't want a... a like a cake pop on the beach or, you know, something like that. Is that something that you've thought about or...? Oh, look, the thought has crossed my mind and I guess it's um, the direction in which I want to take my business and Mm -hmm. whether that fits with what I want to do. Um, Obviously, being the sole vendor, it's um, where do you put your time? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And, you know, if there was an extra day in the week, that would solve all the problems. (laughs) Eight days would be good. But then we'd want nine. That's right, for extra holiday. (laughs) So what's been the most valuable free tool that you've used either to promote or create for Cakes by Lisa? The most valuable free tool for me would have to be word of mouth. Okay. Um, you can't, it's, it sustains your business. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as you're um, looking after your clients and they're able to give you positive feedback and um, mm-hmm. pass on positivity to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you think about, you know, how many, um, if you have a negative experience, how many people hear about that negative experience? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always trying to maintain that positivity and getting them to promote your business for you. Mm. And what's the next big thing for Cakes by Lisa? Next big thing. Um, Look, obviously I need to decide whether I do want to employ someone and put someone on. Mm -hmm. I would also like to expand on what I'm doing in the way of classes. Mm. So cake decorating classes for both beginners and um, professionals. Mm. Okay. So if you'd like to learn more about Cakes by Lisa, um, head to cakesbylisa.com.au. And today to close off the show, 
Um, our quote is from Leo Burnett. And he said, the secret of all effective advertising is not the creation of new and tricky words and pictures, but one of putting familiar words and pictures into new relationships. So you've been listening to the Paperclip podcast presented by BSDA. We have one clear goal, help you to become bigger. You can learn more by heading to bsda.com.au. And until next time, keep growing.